This is the Loud Pedal Podcast with Chris Stubbs and Lee Holdsworth. Well, hello, welcome to the Loud Pedal Podcast for 2020. We are back. Lee Holdsworth is alongside me, mate. We started with what sounded like two tin cans and a piece of string, but by the end of last year, we were rocking and rolling. Great to have you back. You haven't run away, which is good. (laughs) Yeah, we're moving up the ranks at the Loud Pedal. Um, No, it's good to be back. Good to be back in full swing with the racing. And um, now we've got one round under our belt. Uh, looking forward to AGP as well. Absolutely. We've got a big year ahead here too. We'll be dissecting everything that happens every week and uh, a few more special editions that will be televised as well. And we've got some sponsors uh, that are coming on board. So we're looking forward to another huge, huge yeah. season and uh, a really good one to start with as well. A couple of big guests for you today, Shane Van Gisberg and Rick Kelly, both boys, uh, champions of our sport and very much in the news at the Adelaide 500 as well. Uh, Lee, just quickly for yourself, 12th and 6th, 7th in the standings overall. What was your feedback from Adelaide? Oh, look, it was a bit of a frustrating week for me. We started off with a, a pretty uh, terrible test day um, where we had a few things go wrong. And then in the lead up, obviously, a bit of a clash on the Thursday with, uh, with Gary Gaspedal and, <laughs> and then, uh, and then yeah, didn't really have things sorted till Sunday. But yep. yeah, to, to end up, you know, coming out in the top 10 in the championship, that was our aim. And so I, I'm not too displeased with that. Yeah, first practice session. And uh, this was the incident with Gary Jacobson. Jacobson, I'm just having a shunt, mate. Jacobson was just sitting there on the race line. How about the car, mate? How about the car? Left front and right front. I think the rear will be okay, but I had nowhere to go. I'm expecting him to pull off the racing line. $1,000 <laughs> fine for Gary Gaspedal. How'd that go down? <laughs> oh, look, yeah. I was, I was pretty filthy when I jumped out of the car, but, you know, you could see Gary was filthy with himself <laughs> when he jumped out with his head down and, you know, he, he came over and apologized straight away. So what do you do? Um, you know, it's not something that you sort of expect. You you know, you got your lights on and someone's coming out of the pits and trundling around on the race line on cold tires. I just expected him to jump off the racing line. When you're fully committed through that turn three there, you're doing 200K plus and really there's only one line and he was sitting on it. So uh, he was a bit indecisive on which way he was going to go. And in the end, he, he turned across in front of me. I found a very small gap, not not big <laughs> enough between the wall and, and his yeah. car. But look, we, we escaped with uh, with little damage, so it wasn't too bad. And it led to a fun uh, text exchange between the two of us as well about <laughs> Gary, which was a lot of fun. <laughs> Gary, a great man from Shepparton. We love you, Gaz. We also love Shane Van Gisbergen. Shane, welcome to the show. Thanks for your time. How are you, mate? Hey guys, going right? That's the way, mate. First of all, pole and pace uh, seem pretty good over there yep. in Adelaide. Great battle with with Scotty there on uh, the Sunday. The, the second pit stop, the minimum fuel drop was missed. Uh, in your debrief, do you know yet uh, what happened? How it ha- came to be? Yeah, we just had a little problem with the the car, and the the had an issue with the fuel tank. So. We um, didn't quite have the right capacity or some, something, some kind of issue, and the, the, we couldn't fit it in into the car. So that was a shame, and we had to do do another stop, and um, you know that that sort of hurt us and took the win away from us there. Yeah, Shane, it was interesting to see the replay when um, Dado obviously looked at the at the man on the fuel and just stared at him, yeah. stared him down. Um, I think there would have been some good captions on that one. Um, but yeah, yeah, he obviously knew there was a problem before. And you could see the fuel man uh, went to 
go plug back in, yeah. but the car was on the ground by that stage. So he obviously yeah. realised there was a problem at that point. Yeah, obviously the fuel guy gets told how many seconds it's going to be, and then he saw the fuel coming up the vent before it should have been and just mm. reacted to that, yeah. which is natural, I guess. But, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't his fault. It should have been able to fit yeah. however many te- amount of seconds it was in the car anyway. So, um, yeah, just a shame, one of those things. Mate, the, the front roll bar, you had everything thrown at you. I'll tell you what, it went yeah. early. But uh, making ground, the pace was incredible considering that after the uh, extra stop. But then the front went on you. What what was that all about in the end? Was, yeah. it, was it just too, going too hard and with the front roll bar already damaged or, or what was it? Um, well, Roland, I had a good chat with RD the other day about it and it was like an airplane crash. We had <laughs> so many little things and then it just added up into catastrophe so after the first safety car got in front um we got lucky with with um djr not not responding and we Mm. got in front and then the front roll bar started dropping i was watching the number drop and then yeah the front all the fluid leaked out of the front bar but amazingly the car was still pretty quick with no front bar on it it had mega mega front grip but no drive and but you know seemed to be able to flow pretty good and kept good speed which was was unreal and um yeah, but I guess that put more load on, on the front end of the car. And these new shocks we have um, don't really have any compression, so they just blow straight through the stroke, and it kept bottoming out the front arm. And I think that's a little problem that we have with our cars. You know, you saw Scotty Pye had his one break, and I think um, Techno had a few bent ones. So, yeah, I think we're definitely strengthening our front arms for these new shocks. Um, and, yeah, eventually I just pushed too hard trying to catch up to Cam. And I, I understeered through turn two and hit the curb really hard and just felt it bottom out straight away and, and then, yeah, felt it was uh, a little bit bent. And then, yeah, tried to cruise for a couple of laps and then it felt like it didn't get any worse. And then, yeah, as I passed him, it, um, it snapped. So very lucky that we didn't crash into him because he wouldn't have given me a lift back to the pit. <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah, Shane, Shane you, you did have amazing speed. It was, uh, you know, I was following yeah. you and Scotty there after the restart and you guys went off into the distance. Yeah. So you obviously got the car sorted. You were saying after the, the test day or even on the first day at Adelaide that the car was yeah. a lot harder to drive. Um, and you just touched on yeah. the, the curb strikes at turn one and two. I found yeah. from my point of view, that was the hardest thing to manage was, was getting that curb right um, because if you yeah. did have the outside loaded up when you hit turn two, uh, it really yeah. set the car off, didn't it? And and I think that was yeah. the biggest um, difference from what we experienced last year. So I think yeah. that there's no, uh, it's probably no wonder, you know, with a broken roll bar as well, more roll in the front that, that you did do some damage. Yeah. But I think that's the hardest thing to manage at the moment. And it was, I, I felt yeah. it was mentally taxing the round. It was very mentally taxing just to, be consistent, be, uh, you know, the concentration levels were higher than ever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what, what's your take on it? Do you feel the same? Yeah, I think, you know, you definitely notice it through turn four, the braking. It's definitely harder to drive because of the shocks. And But I think the biggest thing is it's a big leveler. Like when you speak to the BJR guys and stuff, they didn't have a very good shock program and they found the shocks to be just the same. So in that respect, I think it's a good thing, you know, the cars are, cars are hard and ugly to drive because the shocks are crap but they're the same for everyone so you've got to deal with it but unfortunately the reliability wasn't good I think all all six of our shocks got sent back every 
all, after every time we used them, they were all flogged out from the bump. So, um, but as long as they're consistent and everyone's got the same and, and the maintenance keeps up, I think it's a good thing because, you know, shocks were a pretty big area of development, especially when the twin spring got banned, you know, then you just started developing the shocks. So, yeah, I, I think it's a good thing that they've equalised that for everyone. Lee, in the Mustang, was it the same? The shock was copping an absolute hiding as well. Like, did you have to send them back and stuff as well? Uh, yeah, I, I know that, you know, we had to check them for, uh, you know, reliability yeah. every night. Um, you know, you were always going to do that with a new yeah. component in the car. And, but I think, you know, looking ahead to places like Gold Coast, mm. uh, Townsville, where you have massive curb strikes, you know, there's only really one at Adelaide or a couple at Adelaide where yeah. you really put the shock through its paces. Uh, I think, People will be a little bit concerned about that and, and whether you have to set your car up to have better reliability for the shock um, might be something that you know will, will happen through the year. People may go down that development path. Hey, Shane, I love the whole win it or bin it sort of approach and that you, you were desperately trying to get as close to them at, at the end as you could on Sunday. Was there any sort of directive from yep. the team that you were allowed to just charge on or, or perhaps in hindsight should you have just tried to get a decent points haul? Oh, mate, I've been thinking about that for two weeks. <laughs> yeah, look, I, you know, at, at the point where it bent, I thought the car was still safe. You know, it didn't change for another two laps after that. Everything felt solid and consistent, so I pushed on again. But, yeah, I don't know. That's something that I thought about a lot. And then speaking with RD and also um, Shippy, you know, they just got to make, make the car stronger. And also we got to understand, you know, that or remember that the car had a failure. We were driving with a broken front roll bar and, and that put more load than it normally would. But, yeah, I hadn't even thought about Gold Coast until Lee said that. And that's, <laughs> a, that's, that's a bit of a worry for those having those shock absorbers there. So, yeah, yeah um, we'll have to come up with something and hopefully uh, make it reliable there and safe for everyone. That's the problem. Damn, I've just given you the heads up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, thanks. I'll pass it on to the yeah. engineer. <laughs> hey, mate, catching the taxi with, with Cam Waters, uh, that was, yeah. uh, was that just so you get some inside intel on the Mustang? <laughs> I thought it was pretty stupid afterwards. Oh, damn, because it's the energy wrong energy drink, drink yeah. and wrong brand. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it Did you feel the downforce through turn eight? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I uh, was just wondering what all the fuss was. But the... Um, no, it's funny, change gears for him and, you know, it's a bit of a laugh. If you can't find him, grind him. Just really work away on that gearbox, sorry, mate. Um, oh, I looked after it. <laughs> hey, I noticed that Scott and Chaz didn't stop to help you, though. Oh, I don't know. I didn't even think about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, all good fun, mate. Um, in serious news, like on Saturday, a win or double podium with your third as well behind Jamie, that, that couldn't have come at a better time yeah. for Holden fans, could it? Yeah, it was um, been a pretty tough couple of weeks there for, for Holden and everyone involved there. So, yeah, it was pretty awesome to get a good result. It would have been great to do the double on Sunday. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of big news and then also uncertainty as well, obviously, for our team and, and also a lot of the Holden employees and everything, what's going to happen. So I think a lot of it is still very fresh. Obviously, the news or directive comes from America. And, um, yeah, it has to get worked out here. But, yeah, real real shame. I don't really know what the future is for for our team and stuff. So, yeah, um, just got to try and think about the racing. 
And Shane, how did you find out? How did the team find out? Was it was it hopefully not through the media? Hopefully through RD. Oh yeah, but only about half an hour before the announcement come out. I think RD found out about it yeah, as well. Right. So okay. yeah, I think it was all all pretty quick decision when it when it happened, and then how quickly it got relayed to all the dealers and employees. And and no doubt RD's on the hunt now for another manufacturer. Well, our contract goes for another year, so I don't know how it works, you know, because obviously they're they're keeping a few dealerships open with service departments and stuff like that. So, yeah, honestly, I have I have no idea, but for sure he will be trying to get something for the year after or or even next year. I I, I don't really know. Yeah, would you like to stay in a GM product for the the Holden and the Red sort of side? Do you think there's some value in in having that still there into the future? Oh yeah, of course. It's um, GM's been really good to me since I changed there. You know, they were really welcoming with helping me. Um, you know, get keep racing at, at that point in time and, and wanted me there. And then ever since, but certainly the brand has changed a lot in a short amount of time. So yeah, um, you know, there's a lot of talk about the Camaro, but I think that finishes production quite soon. So yeah, I'm I'm not really sure. How much are you being told? Is the team keeping you in the loop or are there just so many unknowns still at this point? Um, well, to be honest, I don't know because I don't really, you know, it's not something I can influence, you know. I just yeah. got to go out there and do my job and best I can and, you know, the team will, team will sort it out. But, yeah, it's, um, it's a hard one. And regardless of the, the car you're driving, obviously you and Jamie yeah. will be going around next year. Um, and so congrats on your new deal and also to Jamie, uh, to see you guys go around. I think, you know, um, certainly with where Jamie was at, considering whether he continues on or not, um, you know, was always a question and I think it's great to have him still in the sport. Like you touched on over that weekend to have a guy so successful in the category and still to be able to punch out at that level, um, is pretty impressive, but yeah, uh, uh, how are you feeling about, your future and um, and and why 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 did it take so long to to sort of come out with the announcement? Oh well, mine was done a uh, month ago, and uh, yeah, it's pretty obviously pretty easy decision for me. Triple um, Eight, you know, in my opinion, the best team, the most fun, and then also we got the GT racing going on and expanding in Asia, so I really enjoy that stuff. Um, but yeah, we were just waiting on Jamie, seeing if he thought he was too old or not. But yeah, he, he, uh, hey, he's still young. Decided to go still... ahead. <laughs> what is younger than you? He's Lisa. still yeah, he's a couple of days younger than me. Actually, <laughs> very young. Yeah. Shane, from... but you know, here's here's so much going on with the commission and stuff like that, yeah. and yeah. you know, I think that takes a lot out of him. But um, you know, he still performs at a pretty high level um, every time he's in the car. You know, and I think. As long as he thought he could keep doing that, he'd keep going. So, yeah, he um, seems still very committed to it. Were you confident he would go on, or did you ever see any signs where you thought, oh, hang on, maybe maybe he is going to hang up the helmet? Oh, no, he's still... still. I just look at the driving stuff, and I yeah. just see, you know, when he gets a good result, how much it means to him, but also when he gets has a bad day, how much he, he beats himself up about it, you know? So, to me, he was still or still is very hungry to win and get results. So, yeah, I, I thought he would commit quicker than he did. 
Mate, Team Sydney has been in the news, hasn't it, the last couple of days with JC announcing that he's out and the battles they're facing. Obviously, you've been part of the techno organisation and know John O'Webb very well. What did you make of that news? Well, there's only one person there from when I was there, and that's Jono. So, yeah, yeah, it's not the... Unfortunately, it's not the same team anymore. Um, So, yeah, it's... um, I don't really have any feelings about it. What do you reckon's next, Lee? Or what did you make of the the decision by JC. Obviously, it's a team that, that is struggling to get it up and running as anyone would with a undertaking like this. But there's some issues there. What did you make of JC's decision? Oh, look, I think first and foremost, I, I feel for JC. Uh, and, I, and I think it's disappointing not to have him in the category. I think he's still got a lot to offer in terms of his driving. You know, he, he obviously pushes things to the limit. And, and that car was never going to come out and, and challenge the front runners. Yeah. Um, and I think he, he would have been realistic about that. But, uh, yeah, it's I, – I don't know where he goes from here. Um, hopefully we see him in some wild cards. And, but, yeah, it was – you know, Ryan Walkinshaw was quick to come out on social media and say that he won't yeah. be joining them for Enduros, which yeah. I thought – I must admit, I thought that was yeah. what was going to happen. Um I don't know where he goes from here. I, I know there'll be plenty of people on the phone to him, especially, you know, because he carries a sponsor with him. Um, yeah, I, I don't know where to from here, but he's obviously got experience in Super GT. Uh, you know, TCR is, is, would be an option, I, I would have thought, GTs, uh, and then hopefully some wild cards. But, yeah, I, I think, you know, there's some underlying issues there within that team, and, and he obviously had some unresolved uh, I'd, I'd maybe with with money or I don't know. Go um, on, say, I can only assume. Really I can mean. only assume that maybe he hadn't come to an agreement on money before Adelaide. Yeah, I think um, he, what he was promised and what he was then yeah. told he'd be getting was quite different. Is mm. I mean, look, we've reached out to to Webby to see if he'd come on the show to to clear up some of that sort of stuff. Obviously, he's got a lot going on at the moment, and there's probably not much he is able to say in the midst of it all. Uh, so that's why he's not joining us today. Um, but yeah, that is at least the understanding within the uh, pit lane rumour uh, mills that, uh, yeah, the money that was suggested just didn't uh, end up being there. So we wish them all the best, I guess. Uh, a wild card maybe with Alonzo at Bathurst. Wouldn't that be cool? That'd be cool. Yeah. Or would you, you'd like to see that, Shane, I would have thought. Yeah, I reckon it would be good. <laughs> yeah. If he was in a good car, I think he'd do quite well. That'd yeah. be awesome, wouldn't it? Um, Aero, guys. Luckily, yeah. we haven't had to talk too much about it. It wasn't a real focus. It didn't seem to be in Adelaide. We are talking more about the shocks. But both of you, what, what's your, your take on it? Um, Shane, we know they had a couple of goes at, at VCAT. Um, was it an issue? Did it feel good, bad? Do you feel like it's even? Where are you at with it, mate? Um, well, firstly, I feel like the parody's pretty good, although we left um, Adelaide thinking that we weren't too bad last year and then we got smoked for the first <laughs> few rounds. So, yeah, I, I think the supercars have done a really good job with the cars and equalising them um, so far. So, yeah, I think everyone's pretty happy. All the drivers you speak to think the, the parity's pretty good. But um, the negative was the racing. The, yeah. With the gurneys on the back of the cars that they've done to equalise the drag, you know, I think firstly you have to remember the Holden is designed for, you know, autobahns and autobahns in Germany and stuff as, as where it originated from, you know, so it's a very slippery car. And the other thing's a big American piece of junk. So it's 
very square and punches a big hole. (laughs) So, you know, they, um, it's just completely different designs that equalize the cars. They got these gurneys and stuff and that just makes the, I don't know what Lee feels, but it makes the air come off the cars a bit more dirty. The Nissan was always really hard to follow with a gurney like that. And yeah, I found it, I found it a lot harder to follow, um, because of the gurney. Yeah, I 100% agree with Shane. I think what that it's a big piece. Uh, no, of no, 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 absolutely not. The Ford's the Mustang's obviously a great piece of kit, and everyone wants to jump in one, especially now. So I, I think one thing you have to remember is Adelaide is so hot, and you're on that hot, hard tire, which yeah. overheats quite easy. Yeah. So hopefully you get to other tracks, and it's a bit easier. It might it might be different. So, but you know there wasn't really any fast corners at Adelaide, so that was a worry too. Yeah. My my argument is still that we need a better uh, compound tire um, yeah. to to sort of create better racing because you know I think that the tires that we've got are more um, suited for you know they're they're a drive type tire rather than a steer tire and you know so when you when you lift the front up from not having the aero the downforce on the front you you wash the front out the the fronts overheat um, your brakes also add to that overheating as well sitting behind someone so the problem just gets worse and worse and and you know you're going to see well hopefully you know when once you get up on people you need to have a go straight away or else you're going to sit there and it was similar to you know jamie got stuck behind me for most of the race on sunday but then i got stuck behind him at the end so um if you sit there for too long you you, you're stuck Mm. um i wanted to get your thoughts shane on uh JJ v Ludo. Roland has said that Jeremy Moore is his next level compared to Ludo. What do you think? He's back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't know what um, JJ was like before he went away. But, <laughs> yeah, I can tell you he's a very different person to Ludo, but most people are. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Things, you can understand him for very, one. Yeah, I can listen, hear him talk and understand and don't have to process things for a few seconds. But, um, yeah, he's Pretty, pretty switched on, obviously, and very thoughtful about everything. But, um, you know, there's a lot of different programs already being sort of implemented into the team. And, yeah, it seems seems very good and it, it will only get better. But, yeah, I didn't know him before he left. So, yeah, I'm still learning learning um, how to get the most out of him or, or listen to the right things in the right way. But, um, yeah, very smart guy and already put some good systems in place for us. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that carrying on and keep building up. So, mate, overall for the season, having come out of Adelaide, only one race down, but the early signs for you, you're feeling more confident uh, having been through a couple of races now than, than less, even though you had the issue with the car, the pace, you're feeling confident for this season now? Well, I just I just think it's a good year for the, going to be a good year for the series. You know, last year was so bad with all the parity stuff. So this year, I think, I hope there's going to be a lot more winners and closer racing. I think, um, as Lee said, the shocks are a great equaliser and the parity's much better. So hopefully it's a much closer, good good series this year because that is really what we need. We've got some problems with, you know, the a couple of manufacturers and trying to get more in. We really need to start building some stuff up and making the series um, back to what it was, I think. So I just hope the racing's good and we can enjoy it. Is there any particular manufacturer or car that, that you would like to see? I saw the ad for the Supra last night. I know it's getting a lot of airtime on telly yeah. at the moment. But if you look at Stingers, Supras, Camaros, like what sort of cars? And, and Lee, you can answer off the back of Shane. But 
Is there anything in particular you'd love to see, whether it be you or another team driving? Oh, not, not, not anything in particular. Okay. But it'd be cool to cool to get some good cars in there, you know. But um, the GT stuff is getting um, much too expensive for for most teams and even yeah. some manufacturers now. So hopefully they start to look around and try different things. And you know they did did put some stuff in place to accommodate other engines, but. It's, um, you know, as we tried with the Holden a couple of years ago, it's very hard to make that power out of a six-cylinder yeah. uh, turbo car. So hopefully there's a few more things or maybe even some concessions to get, um, you know, more manufacturers involved and get it, get it exciting for them. Yeah, I, I just think the more manufacturers, the better. Obviously, I, I mean, it doesn't really matter which manufacturers come in. I think the more, the better. So... Um, similar to what Shane said, it'd be great to have some of those GT manufacturers come in. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it, we just need to make it easier for them yeah. to come in. And, yeah. and uh, you know, I don't, in some ways, I don't think we need to focus on that for our next, the next gen supercars. Um, I mean, that needs to be a massive consideration, but I think the, the yeah. first thing is to reduce the costs and, and make it easier for, for anyone to run. And and if there's more people wanting to, you know, uh, uh, for it to be more affordable, there'll be more people wanting to come into supercars. Shane Van Gisbergen, thank you very much for being our first guest in 2020 and we'll catch up with you at the AGP. No worries, guys. Thanks, Shane. See you next week. Awesome. Will do. Our appreciation to Shane and everyone at the Red Bull Holden Racing Team for letting Shane come on the show today. Our next guest will be able to talk at length about manufacturers, because he's been there and done it before, our next guest is Rick Kelly. Last time out, he was on a digger or a bobcat or on a work site, and it was loud and it was dropping out. Where are you today, mate? I'm just about to hop in a car and go home to do the exact same thing. <laughs> it's been a year yet, I don't know. What are you, what are you building? Um, more sh- stuff. More sheds for the toys, isn't it? That's the truth. <laughs> I wish it was. Uh, <laughs> just fixing things around home when we get there. Get You're right. Through, right. Well, hopefully you, don't go, hopefully you don't go through too many tunnels and we can hear you the whole time. Uh, a shout-out too. Yeah. I know that we say that Lethal alongside me is uh, the nicest guy in supercars, but I saw you help yeah. a member of the media to get access into the Virgin Lounge post-race in Adelaide. That was impressive. You're a nice guy, mate. Well done. That's the things I do to try and get on different people's podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) Well played. It's worked. It's worked. Uh, Mate, obviously the big talking point at the moment, uh, Team Sydney. Now, Peter Adton has absolutely slammed supercars over the organisation of it. Webby says two cars will stay. Pitha says he's staying. You're invested in in this sport. What's your take on it, mate? Oh, it's just interesting to watch from the sidelines. The other thing is, I guess if there's government funding and stuff, it would be good to have it done. Well, and you know, I guess these things in the media are interesting for us to look at things. It's probably not, not completely idea, ideal for the you know, for a team to be um, you know, coming up in Sydney with these sorts of headlines, but it is what it is. I'm sure they're doing their best and they'll sort it out. Would you like to have JC? I don't believe you've announced your co drivers this year. Oh, I think the team's working through finalising what. What that looks like. Um, I know we've got one complete and the other one close to doing it. And you know, this sort of thing wasn't wasn't on the radar. I'm not sure. You know, with the JC thing, what what it would um, what it would entail. I imagine for you know, this is only just guessing. But I imagine someone like that coming out 
after the first round coming out of the seat. They'd probably want to go somewhere where they could get both Enduros and a couple of wild cards or something like that. But uh, again, I haven't spoke to, to James on that. But looking at that, if, if I was in his position, you'd want to align with someone that can put you on the grid you know, more often than just the three Enduros. But we'll see. Time will tell. Is that something you guys can do? Uh, definitely not now. We've got we've just just been able to do two two Mustangs, so yeah. um, we haven't even got anything close to being being a, a third one. You know, our focus now is on the two that we've got and getting them to be as competitive as we possibly can. So um, I don't think that um, that will happen in the short term, but in, in the future we could look at wildcards. Who knows? You got a couple of Nissans sitting there, don't you? <laughs> yeah, it's funny because when we didn't get when we were looking at being really close um, on um, completing the, the Mustangs, I was like, oh, we could just run them. But we didn't get them re-homologated for this year. Ah, we could get yeah. new error on that. So mm. I, I, don't, I don't think we could actually run them. I think Simona's old car's missing uh, the loom, isn't it? <laughs> I think at the test day yeah. at, at uh, Tail and Bend, you, you were well, pushing... My car's got Simona's loom and, and um, it's got my old steering wheel and um, <laughs> a steering column and so that all the cars there's plenty of cars lying around but they're all <laughs> missing bits and pieces to have built my new one the first couple of weeks back from the christmas break you know bits and pieces were getting done but they they didn't look too you know like they progressed too much i guess it was all more the, the difficult stuff being done in the background and they really started to come together in the last fortnight but it was just one of those things we're waiting on a lot of components um, to come in from different suppliers and it's, it's a, again one of those things where you can't hold on for for other items until that one item was bolted on that we're waiting for. So it's just, yeah, it was uh, it was difficult. There was some sometimes there where you're wondering if you actually get out or not. But <laughs> you know, to think we've gone through that that stage to you know to finish in Clipsal with um, a reasonable result was I think pretty cool outcome. Mate, just to go back um, to Team Sydney, do you do you think it can work? Can it be a success? I think we all probably agree that it, it needs to be. We want to have a presence in that market, but. With this structure and organisation, can you see this being a long-term success? Uh, it'll be successful with the right people behind it. It's going to be a matter of whether that's possible or not, I think. But, um, I don't, you know, I don't know the details of exactly who's behind it. There's been a few people in the background coming in and coming out according to the things that you read. And, you know, anything's possible. It could be a real a real force if the right people and the right structure's in place. I don't know if that is the case now or whether it is the case in the future. I'm only reading the things that um, people write and the things that, um, that people say. I'm not um, across the whole the whole program. Yeah, I agree, Rick. And so uh, obviously the news about Holden um, on another subject uh, is is pretty sad for the Australian automotive industry, but, but also for supercars and yourself i would imagine certainly for me but you've had you've had a, a fair bit of success with holden over the years um with bathurst and supercars how do you feel how do you feel about it how are the emotions on that front yeah it was a, i think like most people it was a bit of a shock to um see the news come out that day that that's what was going to happen yeah and the first emotion is sadness obviously it's been a big part of the a big part of australia and a big part of you know the racing community as well. It's it's been a big part of my career with, um, you know, the first ten or so years of supercars. I was with that manufacturer. So, yeah, it's um it's sad. I remember the you know the days of working not only with them as a on the racing side, but also the automotive side, working with the dealer group, working with the manufacturer on you know ride days and their 
testing the cars at their proving ground at Lang Lang and all that stuff. And back, though, back then, they were selling thousands of Commodores every month. So it's amazing how quickly things change. So, you, you know, my instant reaction is thinking about that and how sad it is that that's now, you know, a closed chapter in, in motoring in Australia and, and motorsport. But as a category, we've, you know, unfortunately, we've lost a couple of manufacturers in recent years, including what will be Holden and obviously Nissan. So it's important that we look after the, the people that are in the sport, and Ford's very much in the sport. They've got a great footprint um, in the automotive industry, but great support for motorsport. They turn up to the events. They've got you know, a, a new team with us this year and two existing teams that they're, that they're getting behind. So we need to make sure we look after those guys and keep them a part of what we've got now, but also as we plan to move on without Holden, it's got to be very much in line with what, you know, what Ford needs to make them happy in our sport as well yeah 100 percent, rick um so how how do we go about that as a team owner how do you you must have some insight into the future of supercars how how do you think we achieve that and, and look after the manufacturers so that we not only bring them into the sport but keep them in the sport well when they're in the sport we need to look after them and not just worry about getting new ones in i think that's a big part of it but as well as looking after the manufacturing, we're going to look after the teams. So now that Holden have announced that they're withdrawing, I don't think that we necessarily need to panic and bring in a new platform of race car to suit potential manufacturers that may want to come in, because that will mean all our cars will be will be you know useless at the end of the year if we do it for next year. So we can't afford to build brand new chassis to suit someone that may come in. We need to make sure that we've got a platform that can suit new manufacturers, including existing manufacturers as well um, and existing teams so that we can all press on with what we've got but you know the, the key I think to our sport is is not just making our um, sport relevant to manufacturers but making it you know relevant and exciting and interesting to the fan base and that's what bring, brings manufacturers in is when you've got the fan base there so the key to our um, sport in my opinion is you know um, loud fast door-to-door action with you know, with the cars and with the racing, and, and um, that's what brings people in having having exciting racing. So we need to focus on achieving that with the platform that we've got, and we have a big enough audience and um, enough people attending the events and watching it on TV. Then that's a key thing for manufacturers because then they can talk to that audience. So um, we we just need to make sure that we are um, what we've always been, and that's like I say, close close racing, door to door action, loud and exciting stuff going on all the time and um, we'll see I'm not a part of the decision making or the process of them working out what's what's next beyond holding but from my point of view I want to make sure that it looks after the manufacturers that are in the sport and, and the teams that are currently in the sport as well because we can't all afford to go and build brand new cars at the drop of a hat Rick do you still believe in supercars? Yeah absolutely it's a it's been my life, I guess, for, for the last 20 years. I love the competition. Everyone that comes in and races in our sport around the world always comments how, how it's the best form of racing they've been involved with and how much they love it and how, how interested they are to come over. So um, I think that's a testament to the sport that we've mm. got. We just need to make sure that we look after it in changing times. And things change all the time. It's, you know, this is sad news and that's the whole thing, but we just got to adapt and, and change as we go on. And we've done that in the past and we can do that in the future. Yeah. I find we tend to eat our own a bit, don't we? Like we, we seem to get caught up in this, this, in this circle of negativity or something. And, and as you just said, Rick, this sport has a history of adapting over the years. When you look back to what it was back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, it 
there has been challenges. There has been evolution. And, and as long as I think we put a product forward, like you said, there is a thirst for top-class motorsport in this country. And people might cry out about crowd numbers being down in Adelaide. Well, hello, Hilltop Hood, like, come play at my wedding, sure. Like, no no, no offence to you, but you're not the Red Hot Chili yeah. Peppers. And we have debuted a Mustang last year. We didn't this year. Like, there's going to be years Not to where... mention no one wants to travel at the moment. <laughs> well, it's exactly. There's coronaviruses, all sorts of things, financial difficulties, yeah. blah, blah, blah. So I, I just feel like some part of it. Yeah, people are just quick okay. to be a bit negative. Oh yeah, and they're, and they're always the noisiest as well. I mean, the bloke that has a good time has, yeah. you know, he doesn't go go to Facebook and, and say how awesome it was. <laughs> he turns up, has a good time, and leaves. It's the bloke that didn't go to the race that, that's got a grudge against life in general. The one that comes on the and complains. I mean, you had two hundred and six thousand people turn up to our race on the weekend. That's down on the year before, but that's two hundred and six thousand people. That's like four times the size of Mildura where I grew up. That's a lot of people. If you're getting that many people to come and watch us race, that's not too bad. Like we've got a fantastic sport. It's still one of the top few in the country, and we're gonna, you know, we're gonna always um, make sure that we've got um, the right ingredients to keep bringing people in, and it'll continue to be the number one motorsport form in the country. People need it, so we just got to make sure that we look after the people that are enjoying it, listen to what they want with. The racing, which is those key elements I said, and, um, and and keep feeding them the 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 entertainment and the the things that they're looking for in their weekend when they want to go and see some cool cars race door to door and have a have a good fun weekend. So, with the investment that you've made in in moving across to Mustang, how many years would you need to remain in that car for it to return for you? Um. Well, I definitely don't think one's enough. <laughs> I think, you know, in the, like the car that I raced last year or, or the year before, you know, the chassis are doing four or five years without any issue. You just update the body and you progress with the development of the car, but the chassis itself can remain the same. Yeah. Whereas if you're building a new chassis and then a new, you know, a new aero pack on it, it gets really expensive. So I think we knew, we, we sort of knew that that next gen car was due in, whatever it was, two or three years' time. And so you you expect to run down your, your asset over that period. Yep. But 12 months is probably a bit short to, to be able to do that. And then I think, again, I'm not completely on top of all this, but um, I think DVS can have the the ZB and the Mustang from um, not not next year, but the year after. So, you know, that, that gives us the chance to... Um, sell our current Nissans and stuff to that series and get a couple of years of use out of them. But if you introduce a new car for next year, then all of a sudden um, you can't use that. They'll probably have to um, put the Mustang that we've NZB in um, the current ones in DBS a year early. And then that means that all the other cars we've got parked there are useless. So yeah, I don't know that they're going to do that, but we, we certainly need a couple of years with the car that we've got. Mm. Yeah. Rick, you guys have been, up against it a few times to get cars ready for the start of the year. Uh, I think massive kudos to Cali Racing to to get the Mustangs on track for this year and to also be so competitive straight out the box. I mean, you are, I think they were putting parts on your car at the test day and, and then also, you know, rolling up to Adelaide. I know they were still trying to get your car ready. So to come out and, and have two top 10 finishes for you and Andre... Uh, and, and potentially another one on Sunday for yourself. Um, 
I think it's a massive effort, and I think you guys should be congratulated on it. But how how do you guys how do you feel about the year ahead? How are you feeling? You must be feeling fairly positive about the direction. Uh, well, firstly, thanks for that. Yeah, it's um, uh, I appreciate those words. Um, we, we we're pretty happy with that, but it's the next step that's the challenging one. Um, when you look at the teams that we're now directly competing against with the same cards, obviously you guys and. And Penske, and on the weekend, you guys seem to have the upper hand on them in a, in a lot of cases. So, um, you know, to catch, to, there's been there's two challenges here. One is to get the car on the track, which we've passed passed that challenge, which is great. <laughs> the next one is to find that missing, you know, two or three tenths for us to be able to catch you guys and catch, you know, the, the front of the terrain, if you like. So, I think that's probably the, even the bigger challenge is working out how to um, get a little bit more out of the package. And I don't think that we've fully got to. Where um, where we've got the most out of what we've got just yet, because there's some low hanging fruit, if you like, as far as the development items go on our current car. We've got uh, you know a decent list of things that we need to do, which will help our performance that we just literally haven't had time to do. So we need to get through those items now as quickly as we can, and then see where we sit um, compared to you guys and compared to you know the benchmark Ford teams which is uh, the the first step so um we need to like i say we need to get a hurry long hurry on with that and make sure we keep the intensity up with what we're doing back at work so that we every time we're turning up to a track we've we've got some improvements on the car and um that's going to be the real the, the real key for us i think in the next 3 or 4 rounds because if we haven't if we keep getting ninth then we're not you know we're going to we're not going to be where we want to be in 3 or 4 rounds ninth was good on the weekend but in the next two or three rounds, we need to be making that that ninth, a seventh, and a fifth, and a, and so on beyond that. So, um, I think everyone at work is pretty motivated after the weekend because we we see that we have got the potential now, which is cool. Um, so that that gives us a bit more motivation to go out and and um, and and fix things to get a better result. How did you feel it differed from the Nissan last year? Was it was it the aero balance? Was it um, where was the potential in the car? You'd obviously been with the Nissan for a long time so I'm sure you felt like you you got the most out of it in the end how do you feel that this car compares well yeah it's a good question from inside the car I'll touch on in a sec but firstly it's 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 built very different I mean you've got the same roll cage underneath which which we know but on the on the Altima which is how we were um how we built it to the rules back when we did it's got a whole heap of steel underneath the um you know the external panels the internal panels are all steel that the that mount and hold on the the external shape which is how road cars are built so you've got all the inner panels all the four doors are all steel with carbon skins of course but they're all steel all that stuff adds up so when you build the mustang yeah the the external body shapes held on mostly with just little tiny brackets you know it's a little bit almost closer to a sports sedan i guess so when we finish building and swapping the shape of the car instantly you've got to put a whole heap more balance in the car to um you know to accommodate what what the, the weight difference in the mounting so that's already one advantage um, the second one is obviously done a fantastic job both Penske and Ford performance on the aero package. So it's a little bit less aggressive um, in its handling traits to drive as well. So, um, you know, we've only had one race and half a test day, but, you know, it, it tends to have just a little bit of um, nervousness in the rear on initial turning in the, in the Mustang and it settles to understeer. The Nissan had very similar traits, but way more aggressive. So you brake the car, go to turn in, 
um, to the corner and the rear would come around really aggressively and then it would it would shift to a, a decent understeer. So similar trait but way more aggressive and so the way to obviously combat that is to slow the car down because we tried so many things to dull it down and manage to a little bit with the setup and the geometry but we couldn't do it all the way. So um, I'd say the traits the Mustang's got are definitely less aggressive and, and more user-friendly um, and, that, and that helps because you can have a little bit more confidence in the car as a driver and, and turn in with a couple of Ks more and know that it's not going to you know bite you significantly. And I even noticed a couple of times at Adelaide where I come into a couple of corners a little bit hot and I'm like, this is not good, it's all over. <laughs> and in the Nissan, it would have been, you'd have been backwards into the fence and this one, you sort of get away with it a little bit, a little bit easier. So they're not massive changes, but all these little things add up to the, you know, the two or three tenths that I think this package is better than what we had last year. So it's, it's instantly moved us up and given us a, a little bit of sniff, a, a sniff of success for, you know, what can come as well in the future. So, yeah, it's a, it's a good thing, just small small changes. It sounds like any old monkey can uh, drive a Mustang, aren't they? Is, that, is that what I'm reading into that? Um, <laughs> you, mate, you fell victim to Jack Smith. He had a uh, dirty old debut, poor old Jack. We, we love seeing new talent come through, but, wow, that was a brutal initiation for him and uh, yeah you fell victim to him on on Sunday we we were going to get the audio and play because we thought there might have been some expletives and a bit of colorful uh, language from you Rick but you're too family family orientated these days you, you didn't even <laughs> say anything what was going through your mind there I did I did say a fair bit but I didn't have the rating or something pushed <laughs> ah <laughs> so smart I think when they cut to when they cut to my car you can hear me screaming in the background <laughs> it's not just to my just to myself rather than to everyone else um, yeah I mean I don't I don't know Jack you know and I don't know um, what happened there with the team communication and that but I mean you would think in that in that instance of having a new guy in the category that the team has briefed him of what to do in that situation and and that he would know not to do that i don't know if they did brief him and i don't know what what went on in there and i don't think there's any point in going down there and making a big deal out of it for us where unfortunately back down that in the pit lane dealing with guys like that is a reflection of um the position that were in last year and the results we had if we if we managed to do a better job, we would have been further up pit lane and you wouldn't be subject to that. So it is what it is. We've got to do a better job this year and move ourselves further up. And um, it's going to be a tough one with us in that position because even if he didn't box us in like that, we would have had to wait for people that were you know, um, lower down in the race than us to file past us as they come into pit lane so that we can get out of our pit box. So that's not the, I would say that's not the last time that that's going to happen to us, unfortunately. It's going to be one of those things we have to deal with. Shane earlier on uh, was was quite brutal, I guess, in his assessment of, of the shocks. What's just quickly, what's your take so far one uh, race weekend in? Yeah, it's interesting that the, um, the, the, um, pretty negative about the shocks. I mean, for us, I didn't get to do a fan, you know an amazing back-to-back with them at the test day because the rules were that you're allowed to run them for the first hour, and because we just were still finishing our car, we only got to do really an installation lap on our old shock before we swapped to the new one. But I didn't notice any difference really. And when we um, ran it at Adelaide, we thought we may notice a bit more because you've got curb strikes and and a lot more bumps than you do have at your tail and bend track. Um, for me, it felt pretty much as as um, um, as, as similar as you can get to the old one, and we and we ran the Sax shock supplied by Triple Eight in our Altimas the whole time. So um, I'm very interested to um, 
to, to hear that he's he's. Are quite you suggesting about that they weren't the same? Is there? <laughs> I think yeah, though, Shane's point though, uh, <laughs> is was that some team it's an it's an equaliser uh, because yeah. there were teams putting a lot of money into development yeah. of shocks, and and then there's yeah. teams that weren't putting much in at all. So some people probably got a gain from it. Some people got a loss. And, and overall, you know, Rick says that he didn't feel much. We didn't feel too much. Um, probably the biggest thing for us was the curb strike at Adelaide. Uh, so, yeah, um, you know, Triple Eight and, and Penske, no doubt, were spending a lot in that area. And um, so, yeah, that, it's hopefully we're all a little closer now. Why on? Well, um, what, what, do you think, what do you think the bloke in the grandstand, what does he feel about it? <laughs> Yeah, what? I don't reckon he gives a crap. He just wants exactly. to see the cars yeah, right. closer. Well, in that case, exactly. let's stop and talking about it. Um, no, I wanna... well, that's, that's the, but hang on a sec. That's exactly the point. Because if he doesn't give a shit about it, yeah. Yeah. all that's happened is it's made the teams with a smaller yeah. budget a little bit closer to the teams with a big budget. And that's exactly Who's what we're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. Reduce the cost. So it's yeah. the same with the, the discussion we always have with the upright, you know, um, everyone's like, should we have a control mm. upright? Well, mm. tell me the last time that your team has had any discussion on the rear upright. Soon as we went to a control rear upright, bang, it is out of your mind. Forget yeah. it. You can't touch it. Move on to the next That's thing. Right. Yeah. Do it with the front as well. Yeah. Don't want to talk about it anymore. It reduces mm-hmm. the R&D cost to the team and you get on with life, making the racing closer because there's teams with a smaller resource yeah. pool. Yeah. Get get the opportunity to get closer to the to the big ones, and budgets are a, a common talking point up and down pit lanes. It's very expensive sport, and it's very hard to get the income in to be able to support it. So the more control components like that shock absorber, as much as it's not good for Triple Eight because they don't sell all their sacks to all the teams, <laughs> it's better for it's better for um, the sport as a whole. And again, I think that's where sometimes we're caught inside our own little bubble too much and we don't think enough yeah. about the person in the stand and we talk about this stuff and we go round and round in circles and at the end of the day what do the fans really want to see and talk about they want to talk about is Chaz Most at the real deal at Walkinshaw boys <laughs> oh I, I think he is he's awesome talent yeah he's come out and yeah all guns blazing he's I think he was pretty impressive at Adelaide he's always fast on street circuits uh, and so is the team isn't it they're, yeah they are there. They are. Their history there at Adelaide's awesome. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I always thought that Chaz would come out and and do a good job. I I must admit I was impressed with where they were at Adelaide. Whether that continues, that's the big challenge now, is is whether they can carry that through to the more flowing tracks. Uh, I I think they can. Um, I think that, you know, uh, you you can't just say it's all Chaz. (laughs) Because there's so much more behind the scenes that goes on, and you know he brought Adam with him. He had a lot of yeah. information to come with him from from our team, um, so he knew where we were at. He's got a pretty good idea of of how to tune the car the same. But whether he is or not, I don't know. But um, it was it was funny to see uh, Chaz uh, Waters and Davison lined up side by side each day, um, which is pretty much what happened last year. So that was interesting. You expect Chaz to go on and, and threaten for more podiums, victories, Rick? Not a once-off for you? I think Lee's on the money there. They're, yeah. If they're going to go well, it's going to be um, at Adelaide um, from, from both the drivers and team's point of view. So yeah. I, I'm quite in, interested to watch Chaz's journey um, in the team beyond now, like I think most, most motorsport fans are. And when we go to 
the tra- uh, tracks other than street circuits, how they can um, yeah. help, or how, how Chaz and Adam Dubois can help improve their package to be closer to the front. So that's the thing. That's where the you know don't write the report card on those guys. I don't think until they've been to yeah. a, a good diverse range of those tracks. Mate, last year your guys tended to um, find each other out on track. Uh, happened more than yeah. once, uh, as it happens with all teams, but seemed to be a bit of a thing with mm. the Nissans. Uh, Penwright pile up. Uh, Dave Reynolds in a clash with Anton Di Pasquale. Let's have a listen. I'm so sorry. That was my fault. Repeat, repeat. Are you kidding? No, no, I just... Okay, Dave, drive through penalty, drive through penalty, pit this lap, drive through penalty. There you go, he's sorry. And afterwards, they were still chatting and uh, appeared to have moved on pretty quickly from that one. Fair enough, he was contrite too. Yeah, I, I think that that stuff's going to happen. You know, Anton's in his, what is it? Is it his second or third year now? Whatever it is, he's getting closer to, to Dave and that stuff's going to happen more often than it has been. Um, you know, when you're running closer, when the cars are qualifying closer, um, those inter-team battles happen, and we've seen it at Tickford. Um, Triple Eight, uh, <laughs> um, obviously with with your team, Rick, as well. You guys have had it, and yeah. and it's when you qualify all around each other. You know, you're, you're battling each other for uh, for for pit priority. Um, so you race each other hard. I mean, in saying that though, Dave wasn't trying to pass Anton in that circumstance. Um, so. Uh, Dave put his hand up straight away. <laughs> Felt pretty bad about it, but yeah, that stuff happens. Hey Rick, we're going to let you go in a moment, but uh, we always yeah. ask our guests, and I know we've had you on previously, but uh, we didn't ask you, so I will ask you this time, mate. Who is the most famous person in your phone? <laughs> I got asked that um, in one of the other interviews I did a couple oh. of weeks ago. Oh, how Probably s- you. How repetitive are we? Well, we need famous to come up with some new segments. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. Well, give us a better name than what you gave there, them. But you don't. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, mate. Oh, we know. know you'd have someone. Impress us. I've got, I got a new phone now, so I don't really have anyone in there. <laughs> what? So you didn't, you didn't hold her up and transfer all the data? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you, if I tell you, you're probably trying to steal me phone, so I won't answer <laughs> that one. Ah, <laughs> oh, come on. Give us a name. I can think of an IndyCar champ. That, that's one number I know you'd have in your phone, wouldn't you? Yeah, Scott Dixon. I got his name in there. I got a few different people. I mean, I've had, you know, over my time, um, I guess, cross paths with a lot of different people. That, um, you know, for everyone from Scott Dixon to old V8 supercar drivers to. Eric Banner, I guess, but I don't really have, um, you know, um, I don't really text these guys and talk to them all the time, but their contact's in the phone. doesn't matter. If they're in the phone, it counts and you can brag about <laughs> it. Uh, Rick, thank you very much. Kelly Racing, uh, fantastic job, as Leroy said, getting things underway in Adelaide. And we wish you all the best at the GP. We will see you there. Thanks, Rick. All right, appreciate it. Thanks a lot. No problem. I tell you what, Lero, we've tried everything with making sure the audio is good with our guests and uh, we're in the studio now, but uh, we will make sure something happens with Rick. So apologies for the uh, wind (laughs) in the background on that one, but better to have our guests than not have anyone at all. Mate, we're bringing back this year, even though Rick didn't like the uh, famous person in your phone segment, we're bringing back the lethal weapon. It is time for our first one of 2020. It's time for the nice guy of supercars to fire up. It's the Loud Pedals Lethal Weapon. (laughs) 
Oh, good to have this one back. <laughs> I always have to think really hard about what I'm going to say and how you can make a headline from it or how you can not make a headline from it. Uh, so this weekend, or next week, I should say, we're going to the AGP and I don't know whether it's an oversight or or whether it's intentional, but we have very, very limited tyres going into the round and our practice tyres can be used in the race. We've got one set of... Uh, basically one set of softs for practice, brand new softs. Um, but whether or not we're going to want to run them is another question because the the track is brutal on tyres. Um, if there's a late safety car in one of the races, I think you'd want to keep that set. So I my, my call is for, for supercars to give us a set of practice tyres that can only be used in practice. So we, we're out there in practice. People want to see us in practice. At the moment, we're going to have very limited time out on track because we're not going to want to be burning up our, our race mm. tyres. So I I think um, I'm hoping it's an oversight um, and, and that supercars will, uh, will, will rectify the situation. But, yeah, at the moment, you know, people want to see us on track. And I'm sure you're not giving away any secrets there. I'm sure the other teams would have thought of the same thing. Tim Edwards will be listening and won't be thinking, that was, that was uh, our trump I card. Think it's, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's a pretty obvious one. Yeah. I mean, no one wants to be burning up tyres yeah. that you're going to be racing on. Yeah. Um, but but if you are using your race tyres, you're not going to be wanting to do lap after lap after lap. Um, so, you know, it's it's an important round for us and and – um, you know, some people have rides, so they probably get a bit of a, uh, a, a foot forward. Um, they'll, they'll have their head into gear by the time they do that first lap. But really for us to be able to tune the car, um, it's going to be very, very difficult this round. And, um, yeah, like I said, it'll be limited time for, mm. for supercars to be on track. Because... Well, maybe not though. Maybe not if F1 doesn't happen. You well, guys might yeah, be going yeah. round and round and round. Better bring for the Dunlop truck straight. with you, though. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, if if it happens, and at the moment they're saying it will go ahead with F one, but what do they do? The supercars step up and try and fill the void because the event surely must go ahead given the investment already. Well, I think for a start, the the event has to go ahead whether Formula One are there or not. Mm. I, I I hope I hope Formula One are there because. You know, it's that's cool, what, isn't it? It's cool. Yeah, it's a great event. It's yeah. it's the Australian Grand Prix. There's only one one here in yep. the year, and um, and it's the one that kicks off the F1 season. So everyone wants to see it go ahead. They've got the track ready to go. Everything's ready to go. Corporate, you know, yep. there's there's a lot of money going into it from the Australian government, from um, from sponsors, things like that. So it would be massively disappointing. And, and but they're going to lose a crap load of money. If they just cancel the whole thing, yeah. I can't see that happening. They're going to have to run ahead with it. They might lose some money, but, um, mm. you know, people, people want to see some cars on track and supercars, if it's not formula one, supercars will be the next best. And, um, well, I think we're on. better anyway. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> but, uh, I know. Just roll out the hilltop hoods. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That'll bring them through the gates. Jeez, um, the poor hilltop <laughs> hoods are copying it. Actually, I like them. <laughs> they're actually really cool. They're part of our era. Yeah, right? yeah. They're still yeah, obviously exactly. around. Um, a shout out, our thoughts with Tommy Randall on, on his battle. He's, he's been very public, which is really cool and, and open about what he's been going through with his cancer. And what about his performance? In yeah. Adelaide, that is just phenomenal. A guy who, of course, you know well last year as your co-driver. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Unbelievable effort. Mm. I think that, you know, he did very 
little training in the in the lead up to it, and it's one of the toughest rounds as we know. So uh, he only found out a few weeks beforehand that he'd be able to actually race, um, and hopefully he's got better news coming out soon. You know, I, I hope that things are on the improve for him and, and things keep looking up because this is his. I, I think that it's going to be a great battle if he can if he can race every round this year. It'll be between him and Brody Kostecki. Uh, I think it's going to be hammer and tong all year, and and that's what we want to see. And I, I just think it was a fantastic effort by by Tommy, and uh, his attitude is just unbelievable, isn't it? Like he's yeah. he's such a positive bloke. He's a he's a great guy and and a great steerer. So let's hope you know everyone uh, cross their fingers and yeah. and hope that we see him back and Get and healthy. Him. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks to everyone for listening. Subscribe to us on your favourite podcast app so you won't miss an ep. Give us some feedback. Of course, uh, Fox Motorsport is all over social media accounts. Lee, likewise, I'm on Instagram. And what else am I on? Twitter. That's right. Uh, So if you've got any feedback other than improving Rick Kelly's audio, please uh, let us know. Lee, thank you very much. And we'll catch up with you after the GP. Thanks, Dubsy. This has been the Loud Pedal Podcast, ep one for 2020.